Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Clean Libertarian Podcast, your one-stop destination for everything involving the war on drugs and what the libertarians want to do about it. And on today's episode, I had the great and powerful Chris Powell come on. And what Chris has done today is kind of made a case for why the Libertarian Party is essential, why it's a necessary thing to exist, and also some strategies on getting Libertarian candidates elected. Um, Chris has had an extensive history with the party, and uh, he's also just one of those people who has a real knack for statistical analysis and using that data to kind of help. Data? Is it data or data? Who knows? You know. but he's able to take that the those calculations and those numbers and really make it work for a candidate or a campaign and uh he's just got a lot of really great talking points um i brought chris on because i don't know if you guys follow me on twitter or not but if you do you might have seen me clashing with uh one or two people online here lately and I'm, i, I want to get away from that you know there's there's some people who They don't see any value or benefit in the Libertarian Party existing, and that's okay. That's all right. Um, I don't need to engage with everybody, but for those of you out there who might be interested or curious about what the benefits might actually be of a a third party existing, I really brought in the one person who I knew to bring in to make that argument. And um, if nothing else, at the end of this, if you have piqued a little bit more curiosity, definitely follow Chris on Twitter. Uh, the man is extremely approachable, and he loves to talk to people. He loves uh, spreading this information and teaching other people what he knows. And that's kind of what he does nowadays. The man uh, will help out other candidates, help out other people uh, wanting to seek office, and uh, just kind of teach them, you know. So, anyways, with that, I'm going to introduce Chris. All right, hey Chris, how you doing, buddy? All right, how are you, sir? Doing well. Uh, everybody, this is Mr. Chris Powell. Chris ran as the Oklahoma gubernatorial candidate. Uh, for Oklahoma in 2018 and actually had a pretty good run at that uh, as well as he is a big time activist and grassroots uh, organizer for the greater Oklahoma Libertarian Party Uh, and beyond that Chris is there any kind of introduction you want to give yourself kind of let the audience know who they're talking talking with well uh, you might uh, note that I am an elected official uh, so I was elected uh, over a Democrat and a Republican with 63% of the vote uh, last year to city council of Bethany. And in the intervening time, my colleagues on the city council elevated me to the position of vice mayor. So they all don't seem to hate me. Uh, So uh, I've, I think I've shown that uh, a level of it, of success in at the ballot box and at, in office that uh, perhaps people would uh, lend some credence to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, is there anything on the horizon for Chris Powell coming up that you want to discuss, or is that kind of keeping that close to the chest there? 
Well, I do have re-election. I was elected in a special election to finish out a term, so I've got re-election coming up. Uh, you can find my website, chrisforcouncil.com, if you'd like to help support that effort. There'll be a link there to, to the donation page. Uh, we've got that, uh, you know, we've got the office, and, and now we certainly want to keep it. Uh, and of course, you know, through November, I'm supporting doing what I can to support our candidates here in Oklahoma and would encourage anybody in the state to do that. And of course, uh, keeping an eye on races across the country, I encourage you to support your libertarian candidates. They need all the help they can get. And that, that kind of brings us to the nature of why I brought Chris on today. We're going to, Chris is awesome at a, a few different things. He's not just a man of one talent. He's a man of many. And one of the things that I've always admired in you, Chris, is your ability to kind of look at data across the board and be able to just kind of extrapolate that and weaponize it in terms of figuring out how best to approach a campaign. And the other part of why Chris is on today is to paint a picture on why a libertarian party needs to exist and where it is beneficial. Um, and so kind of moving on from, from that little introduction, I kind of wanted to just get right into it and, and your own words, what would you say to somebody who was just to ask you point blank, why does a libertarian party need to exist? Well, the libertarian party is unique in that we are the one party that is for limiting government across the board. Now, you, in each individual party, you can find some area where they want to cut something. Uh, but as far as being across the board for limiting government so that you can increase individual liberty for people, for regular people, we're the only game in town. Um, now, that's not to say that there aren't people in other political parties that I think have some of that ideology and promote some of those things and do a good job, generally speaking. But as far as an organization, a political movement, a group that is doing that, we're it. Uh, and if we don't exist, we cede the field to the different groups that just want to make government bigger and bigger and bigger. So that's why we must exist. And that's why we continue to exist and continue to be a player in the political scene uh, from for next year it'll be 50 years of the libertarian party being in existence in this country that that doesn't just happen just because a few people are really trying to keep it going you can look at the prohibition party and see how that what that looks like it's because there really is a need for a party that is for individual liberty and that is their main thrust and that's us. Absolutely. And the other part of it, too, is, you know, the, you'll find critics who will say, well, you've been around for 50 years. What have you done in that time? And I think an important thing to note is the fight for ballot access. Uh, what has had to have occurred in those 50 years and the roadblocks that consistently get set up against our candidates. And you, better than anybody, can speak to that. What, what in your opinion, has that looked like as far as getting Joe Jorgensen on the ballot in all 50 states? Well, that was certainly a difficult uh, road, but not as difficult as it could be uh, because of what Gary Johnson did in 2016 
and other victories around the country as far as retaining ballot access, we were well ahead of the curve. So, uh, and we got some, uh, we won some things on uh, being able to get ballot access in some, some different states through uh, lawsuits with the, the coronavirus stuff because of how hampered we were. And then in other states, we just had to meet the petition requirement and were able to do so. And this is a clear example of how all the other alternative parties are just a bunch of noise and we're the real alternative that makes a difference. We're on in all 50 states and the District of Columbia, the next closest, the Green Party, they're only on in 30 jurisdictions, 29 states and DC. And in fact, if you look at, since we first got to the point where we had 50 states in the District of Columbia, there's only three parties that have ever done it. That's the New Alliance Party in 1988, uh, which was really quite an accomplishment uh, uh, that is an, a complete outlier to anything. Uh, the Reform Party in 96, which could rely on Ross Perot's money to be able to do it, and then us, and we've done it in 1980, 1992, 1996, 2000, 2016, and 2020. This idea that we don't matter uh, and that we're not doing anything is false. We are clearly the, uh, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, to put it in college football terms, you got your majors, major uh, conferences, then you got your mid-majors, and then you've got your uh, NCAA double, uh, uh, AA Division II and your NAIA and all that stuff. Well, we're a mid-major. We are not part of the noise. Uh, we haven't got to the point of where the establishment parties are yet, but we're definitely a mid-major that can win some things and uh, do some uh, good stuff and is present everywhere. And more importantly, we push policy. We push policy in a way that the establishment parties don't. Do you think uh, marijuana decriminalization and all the states that have had these initiatives to legalize it, do you think that came from the Democrats and Republicans? No. no. Criminal justice reform. Uh, did that come from them? No, we've been talking about that for you know the past 50 years. You look at equal equality before the law for people of um, you know uh, same-sex marriage, all that kind of stuff. We were for that from the founding, and now those establishment parties. Uh, you know, there's there's things all across the board that you can look at uh, deregulation. Uh, reducing our foreign policy interventionism. All of these things are ideas that the libertarians talked about first. And the establishment parties have, in one way or another, adopted portions of it. So obviously, we're pushing policy. The establishment parties are picking and choosing from what they like, and then they put it in their little policy blender and mess it all up, which is why you should just vote for us to start with. <laughs> but they're, uh, you know, we are making change 
and we're going to continue to grow, continue to be more influential, and continue to make more and more positive change to increase individual liberty in the United States. Absolutely. And I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, when it comes to, even if nothing else, just the fact that the Libertarian Party exists and it's getting votes, people pay attention to that. You, you mm -hmm. the way, I've watched the way that you gather data, you know, and I know that there is, that's pretty much on board for any campaign that's running in the country. They're doing the same thing. And so every single vote that gets tallied towards a Libertarian Party member, whether it results in success or not, it's noted. And it's noted, okay, well, what policies are these people talking about that it's gotten people interested? And the, furthermore, it's not just enough for these candidates to just adopt talking points. They actually have to adopt policy, which is what you're talking about. And mm -hmm. I really like the way that we're moving, uh, the direction we're moving in this state, um, you know, especially with the success that you had in your run. In 2018, you and Rex both were powerhouses talking about some really important topics, and that moved that kind of window in that direction. I feel like for what the political landscape was going to look like for our for that specific midterm race, and um, you know, we got constitutional carry, we got a whole new pardon parole board. Uh, the way that they're doing things now is is absolutely a step in the right direction. And I don't think that that would have happened if you guys hadn't been there and hadn't been uh, such strong voices. So um, that is absolutely uh, one of the one of the main things that I see being a cost or a, a net positive for the LP existing now to ask you another question why the lp and why not run as a liberty liberty-minded republican or liberty-minded democrat what do you think uh why do you think that that is not the way to go well everybody has to chart their own course so to speak but if you look at some of these liberty-minded uh, individuals, uh, you know, let's take Rand Paul, for instance. Rand Paul said a lot of great things, and then he was running for president in 2016 as a Republican, and I had, you know, I like many of us, I had high hopes that he would be able to make some real headway with that. Unfortunately, he didn't. It's hard to say, you know, for one reason or another why that was so, but once everything shook out and Donald Trump was the president, uh, Rand chose to get on board with the Trump program in a lot of ways that were, you know, very detrimental to, to liberty. And because he did that and because he had been identified with libertarianism, it, you know, fostered that, uh, that idea that, you know, we're some sort of quasi-Republican organization, which is couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, so I think that's harmful. Uh, you also have people like, uh, you know, Nathan Dom, who's a state senator here in Oklahoma, and he's sponsored a lot of good ideas, but he doesn't get a lot actually passed. And so, and he also has some of that hard right conservative stuff that is not really is not who we are uh, so 
you know, he's, you've got the problem of he's supporting some things that uh, I think most of us can't support. And then the stuff that he does, uh, that he is pushing that we like, he can't get it passed because nobody will talk to him. Right. Uh, uh, So, you know, if you're going to be, to me, just being in office just for its own sake is not, that's not the goal. Uh, You know, to just do whatever, uh, you have to do to be able to get in office and say you got there, that doesn't change anything. If you didn't run on some policy ideas uh, and then when you got elected, you didn't weren't able to accomplish anything to enact some of those policy ideas, you're just spinning your wheels. So, you know, in my view, uh, it's, you know, being that different category and it's very important to me and I try to encourage uh, other candidates that I talk to to make sure that they do this sound different than both the Republicans and the Democrats. Don't adopt their talking points. Let's have our own and sound like a different thing. Sound like a different choice. Look like a different choice. Um, and I say look like a different choice in policy, not show up with your hair weird or anything like that. Right. Uh, you know, look like you're ready for the job but look and sound like something different from what the voters have already been offered by the two establishment parties. We're, you know, don't take the, don't accept the uh, disparagement of being called third. You know, we're an alternative to those two establishment parties. Uh, and we've got to present ourselves as ready to go with great ideas that are going to make life better for everybody and those great ideas are all based in increasing individual liberty that sounds different when you uh, when you talk about it that way and it looks different to the voter when you present it properly uh, we just need to make sure that our packaging and our messaging is, looks competent looks ready to go but looks like a real choice compared to those other two outfits I agree. So um, if I hear you correctly, you're saying that maybe wearing a big yellow top hat or a boot on your head might not be the best, <laughs> <laughs> might not be the best approach to winning an election. Just wondering. Uh, it, it, it's certainly not what I would do. I mean, you know, getting attention for attention's sake, uh, I will give the example of that we're all very familiar with in, here in Oklahoma of Joe Exotic. He yeah. got a lot of attention. He didn't get a lot of votes. Mm-hmm. So, and he wasn't ever going to get a lot of votes. I know there was a lot of discussion about uh, whether we should have the primary, uh, the Libertarian primary open or closed. He wasn't ever going to get a lot of votes because there wasn't any substance there. And he didn't do the things that you need to do as far as campaigning as being to be able to to win. One of the things that I've been very pleased about the Jorgensen campaign uh, is that they are doing the work of campaigning. They've got the bus tours going all over the place. They're doing, you know, social media ads to test different ideas and then try to act on them. They are, you know, trying to get that earned media in the places that they go. And that basic work of campaigning I've not seen that from a libertarian presidential campaign since, at least since, since Harry Brown. Now that can be a hard slog and it can be hard to see the results 
in the way that you might want. But compare that to what uh, Gary Johnson did 10 years ago. Gary Johnson raised a ton of money for an alternative uh, campaign. Uh, and then they spent it on a bunch of consultants to come up with the plans for what they could do. And the consultants came back and said, okay, now we got the plans, raise the money so that we can do it. And we'd already raised the money and spent what we were gonna be able to do. Right. And so there wasn't, uh, there wasn't as much of that. Uh, Jorgensen campaign, uh, you know, Joe and Spike, they have raised uh, a, a very good amount of money but it's, you know, it, it's considerably less than what Johnson Weld got, but they are putting that money into getting on the, you know, keeping the bus rolling and getting out and talking to people and producing literature and getting it and signs and getting it out to people and doing those things that a campaign must do to show activity. You know, if you are out doing the work, you're going to have a greater effect, particularly over the long term than if you just come up with great ideas and never leave your house. Right. And it, as far as boots on the ground goes, those two have been an absolute powerhouse. Um, and, and the people that they're bringing into the conversation, and, and I saw it just as you did, you know, here, whenever we had the caravan going and, and things like that, the people that are showing up are, are people who wouldn't have shown up otherwise. I, I really don't think, you know, that, that we can, get a full metric on who is being reached uh, unless we're showing up to these events because you're seeing people who have never even heard some of the most basic concepts of libertarianism being attracted to the extent that they're actually seeking out, hey, what's going on in my local area as far as like grassroots plans go to get Joe elected? And these people are showing up and having these conversations with other like-minded people and a beautiful thing is happening. They're, they're, they're being turned on to this concept of liberty. And so I'm, I'm with you hundred percent on your, um, you know, uh, how you've described the Joe and Spike campaign as being successful. I, I think it, it absolutely is. And I can't wait for election day to see that 5% roll in at least, if not more, um, you're going to say something. Well, the uh, you know one of the things about that 2018 campaign, you know, like I said, uh, Joe was not doing the things that you need to do to win. He did like some parades and stuff, and you know he put up some billboards, but that's not really reaching anybody other than you know who was already interested in him. Right. You know, I went around the state to as many places I could get to. You know, and knocking doors of registered libertarians. They close, you know, they close a primary. Uh, I wanted it open, but they closed the primary. And so that made it so that, you know, I had, we had a limited number of people that were going to be able to vote in that. So I tried to reach out to those people. Rex had a, you know, the same kind of idea of getting out and reaching people but he did it in a little bit of a different way. I think he visited nearly every county in the state. Uh, so, you know, and he was doing these meet and greets and things like that. You know, again, being out where people can access you, uh, you know, and get in touch with you and communicate with you and you communicate with them to find out what's going on. And of course, you know, the two people who finished first and second in that primary were, being rats. So, you know, that's, and that's, 
really, you know, that's why, uh, you know, there's was a lot of stuff on social media. Everybody did a little bit of mailings. Um, Joe's mail was really awful, but <laughs> you know, we all, we all did those things too. And those are, those are important, but getting out there and, you know, meeting with people, you know, human relationships, politics is all about human relationships. It's, uh, you know, and building that rapport with people, you know, telling them what you're about and letting them, giving them a way to, to understand that you're hearing what their concerns are as well is, you know, that's how you grow the party. You know, finding people to argue with on social media, that's not, so, that's not helpful so much. Um, you know, really making human connections with people so that they understand what we're getting at with increasing individual liberty and that it is going to benefit everybody. That's what, to me, that's what it's about uh, with this. And that's what I try to do. And, and you know, it, something, there's something to be said about people who will continue fighting for the liberty of others, even though they're catching the most flack from every single imaginable side. Libertarians, we don't just catch flack from the R's and the D's, but we also catch flack from the holier than thou uh, liberty types. You know what I mean? The ones who've had it all figured out and read every footnote that Mises or Hayek or whoever, you know, ever wrote. And um, I got to hand it to you guys for continuing to show up and, and being an inspiration to somebody like me who doesn't know what the hell he's doing <laughs> the majority of the time. Uh, even, you know, and, and, you know, I had Rex on not too long ago and he, even he said that during his campaign, like he was looking at the way you were doing it. And he learned from you. And so we, we very much so learn from, from uh, each other in this deal. And I can't help but feel like I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, you know. Um, I've learned a lot from watching you, uh, seeing how, you know, you approach situations, seeing how you approach conflict uh, more than anything. And uh, it's inspirational, Chris. Like you're doing a really good job out there. Now, when it comes to people who might, stumble across this podcast and they've thought about running for office but they're scared to or don't even know where to start what would you tell somebody like that well uh you can certainly reach out to me i'll be happy to uh answer your any questions the best i, I can but yeah i think most of us uh, within the libertarian party the way that we learn is to do it and it's not it's not that hard uh, you know, it's just figuring out what the requirements are, when you, what the deadlines are, and showing up and doing it. It's not rocket science. There are not enough people doing this, even among the, uh, you know, and that's across the board, uh, regardless of party. There are not enough people doing this so that you have the kind of con uh, competition that you have in you know, certain other industries and uh, businesses. And that's really, you know, that's something that it, it, it really is kind of a, a business, but it's a business where there aren't, you know, there are opportunities to be had in a lot of different places. And, you know, you can start at the level that, 
that you want to start in. If you're on fire to you know, say what you think about Congress, there's opportunities within the Libertarian Party to run for Congress or Senate. Uh, if you want to start with talking to your neighbors about, you know, things that affect your street, you know, there are local offices that you can run for. There's, and there is a great need to have more and more libertarian candidates to contest these different offices. We've run, let's see, uh, since 2018, we have run, I think, uh, six or seven, maybe eight uh, candidates for local offices in different places. And we've got, we've had four wins. So if you seek out those kinds of opportunities, you know, depending on what you're trying to accomplish, there are things that can be done. And, you know, even at the higher level, well, I'll go back to 2016 when I ran for Oklahoma County clerk after we got ballot access for the first time since 2000. I ran for county clerk, partisan office, libertarian label, and uh, spent less than $500. That's including the $200 filing fee. And I received 89,000 votes in Oklahoma County. Now that's the most populous county in the state, but look at that statewide. You look at Gary Johnson, who got 85,000 votes statewide in one of his best states in the country, and so I beat Gary Johnson in Oklahoma. Yay. Uh, yeah. But, you know, to, to expand on that, that was probably, that was because I got a two-way race. Uh, it was me and the Republican. And there were probably, oh, 40 or 50,000 people who voted for me who had never voted for a Libertarian before and were not going to accept in that kind of a situation. And so if you can get them to vote for a libertarian once, you can get them to do it again. Those people are all more likely to vote for Joe Jorgensen this time around than they would have been otherwise. Uh, so presenting that opportunity, you don't, have to, you don't have to win to make change. And we need to, you know, we need to understand that as well. Uh, you look at some of these different uh, organizations uh, like you know, there's a couple of different states around the country that have uh, a marijuana uh, party. Uh, Minnesota has two of them. And the very fact of their existence, they get published in the paper and it shows people. There are people who really care about this and really want this to get done. Uh, and, you know, they're out there. They're, it's not something that's, you know, just your, you know, that, that uh, weird cousin you know, that uh, lives out in the country somewhere. It's people who actually know how the process works and are trying politically to make change. And it makes sure that that issue continues to be out there. Well, if you're a libertarian candidate and your issue is that you're against red flag laws and you run for state legislature and you go around telling everybody that you talk to, vote for me uh, to, because I oppose red flag laws, and then you get a sizable result that people have to pay attention to, they understand there's a lot of people out there who think that we don't need these red flag laws. I mean, that's, and it can be any issue that you care about. Uh, that's how we've gotten all of these bad ideas in place is uh, uh, for the most part, 
there was somebody who, uh, you know, some people who wanted that, uh, you know, that terrible thing. That's how we got prohibition. You had all these people who, uh, you know, got together, formed a prohibition party and ran prohibition candidates. And eventually they got, they got what they were after. And then it turned out to be such a bad idea that uh, it's a government program that was actually repealed. Uh, rare <laughs> it's gotta as be, that is. Got to be pretty bad for that to happen. I'll, I'll throw that in there. Uh, so, you know, we can either seed the field to the people with the bad ideas who want to do that, or we can get out there with the good ideas, the pro-liberty ideas and do it. And that's what, that's what I want people to do. And I did too. Absolutely. Well, Chris, you got me fired up. I think I'll vote libertarian this election, you know? Well, all right. All right. Um, no, that's a lot of great information. That's, that's exactly what, what I wanted to get accomplished, man. Um, Chris, you, you, you're a constant source of knowledge and information. And um, uh, in this episode, whenever I put it up on Twitter, I'll absolutely have your handle uh, on there. Is, and, and can you give that address, uh, website one more time? Uh, it's chrisforcouncil.com. I, I think that's correct. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll double check that and make sure. All right. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, that's a campaign website for uh, my city, city council campaign. OKCS Powell on Twitter. And then uh, Chris Powell Vox Libertatum, which is Voice of Liberty on uh, Facebook. Uh, and that's, I would say, a voice, not the voice. There are lots of lots of great voices, yours and so many others uh, that are out there. I'm just one. Uh, but uh, yeah, Vox Libertatum on uh, Facebook. And I'd be happy to hear from anybody who's who's interested in running for office in Oklahoma or for, you know, just wants to look at how we can make things better for and increase the success of the libertarian party yeah and if you are a candidate in oklahoma and you're not talking to chris powell you are putting yourself at a disadvantage <laughs> this man knows the lay of the land better than anybody else i know so all right well chris i will put those uh in the show notes and also you know like i said on twitter and uh man thanks a lot for coming on i'm absolutely going to have you back on in the future to talk again oh, sure sure i appreciate what you're doing what you guys, uh, you know, all you, uh, all the Canadian County folks uh, are uh, fired up. You got that petition for Sunday liquor sales going. So yes. uh, keep it up. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. All right, bud. Well, we will talk to you later. All right. And there you have it. That was uh, Chris Powell. Uh, I hope that you guys got something out of that i hope that if nothing else maybe it inspired you to kind of look a little bit closer at your local lp affiliate and see what if anything can be done to help spread the message of liberty help get libertarian candidates elected into local and state offices and if nothing else man at least you know chris powell exists in this world and let me tell you that man is extremely approachable um the website that he listed in the podcast is accurate. That's chrisforcouncil.com. Um, also, the Twitter handle for him is OKCSPAL, at OKCSPAL. And, uh, yeah, follow him on Twitter. See what he has to say. Uh, periodically, he will 
get his you know analysis done get some charts and graphs together and some maps and and post them up on there and it's always a great great uh tool to be utilized for future purposes for candidates or campaigns or whatever you might want to do man just go check him out he's a cool guy to follow and um also want to apologize if you heard my dog bark in that episode uh, that's my bad it's just kind of one of those things man i got dogs they kind of want to do what dogs do and that's make noise and be assholes sometimes so uh anyway that's the show and uh for the song today i'm going to introduce you guys to a little band called fugazi fugazi came out of the washington dc area back in the 1980s i believe they formed in 1987 and this is a song called waiting room and the song is more or less about not wanting to make the same mistakes twice and waiting for the right people and the right moment and what better song to play during an episode talking about grassroots movements and coalitions of getting people together to work towards a common goal than uh than this song so with that i'll leave you guys with fugazi's waiting room <laughs> 